Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Episode 200. 200 episodes of the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. So first and foremost, thank you. If this is the first episode that you've listened to, or if this is the 200th, thank you. I know there's a lot of things that you can put in your ears that you can stream off of your device. And so the fact that you have chosen what I have to say about fly fishing and the outdoors, the quarry and culture of the pursuit of fish, I truly appreciate it. So thank you. It is a lot of fun. I'm excited about the next episode. I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited about the episodes I've done. I'm excited about continuing this, but we'll talk about that more at the end of the podcast. Today, I have some special guests. As I have done on the 50th, 100th, and 150th episode, I am going to bring some people into the studio you may have noticed if you've been a listener of the Casting Across Fly Fishing podcast for any length of time that I do not have a traditional podcast format. There is a lot of good out there, and most of the top-notch fly fishing podcasts that exist on the internet are podcasts that are interview-based. And when I decided to take up the microphone and begin to put things online, I wanted to differentiate myself. I also didn't want to just replicate what was being done out there. Now, this isn't to say that I'm not going to do that one day, but right now I'm content putting out what I put out, a short form, somewhat informational, somewhat humorous perspective on fly fishing for about 20 or 25 minutes. But that being said, today we do have some guests in the studio, so I will ask them their name and I will ask them to identify themselves. So, number one. Hi, my name is Timothy, and I am 10 years old. Hi, my name is Daniel, and I, and I am 8 years old. Hi, my name is Caleb, and I'm 5 years old. Well, let's be clear. What happens later this month? 
I'm turning six. That's right. So we got Timothy, we've got Daniel, we've got Caleb, we've got my three oldest boys. My youngest is downstairs. He is watching a cartoon with his mother right now. He was up here, but it took too long for the program I record with to start, so he ran away. But that's kind of par for the course. So again, 200 episodes. Every 50th episode, I bring the boys on and we talk about fly fishing and we talk about the outdoors. This is unscripted. Uh, we have talked about the fact that they're going to be on the podcast. So, you know, speak clearly, uh, pronunciate. But beyond that, everything you're about to hear is going to be uh, extemporaneous speaking from them. So I'm going to start with this. Boys, um, we are in September. We have gone through from the spring to the summer into the fall, what is one great memory that you have or one great thing that we did outdoors this season, spring, summer, and fall? My One of my favorite parts of this year uh, was we went to Vermont and we went to the super cool waterfall and we went to swimming at the base of it. So the stream was very trouty looking, but there was definitely no fishing rods involved. There was swimming. How deep do you think it was at the base of the waterfall? Maybe like six, six and a half feet. And I mean, for me, that was cool because I can't remember the last time I swam on the base of a waterfall, but I know I cast flies into deep pools, plunge pools under waterfalls. And so to think that some of these pools that I'm casting into these deep green blue pools could be six feet deep it was pretty cool um how was the water warm or cold cold very cold all right daniel what about you um i liked so we bought a canoe and we went in that two times this summer because we've been busy and it's been cool paddling and fishing yeah so the canoe was pretty cool, and I think one of my favorite things was that you guys fought over who got to paddle, which for me is really exciting because that, that means that I will soon, once you guys become proficient at it, you guys will be in the front and the back, and I'll just hang out in the middle of it. Um, who caught the most fish when we were fishing off the boat this summer? Caleb did. Yeah. Yeah, he did. But all right. Speaking of Caleb, Caleb, what was something that you thought was great about this summer that we did that was outdoors? We went to Vermont, and we went to a place where you could feed fish, and and I touched some, and it was called Orvis. That's right. We went to the Orvis Company Store, the big one in Vermont, and they were closed for, um, uh, what's it called? Inventory. So we did not get to go in, but uh, we were able to go out back and they have a waterfall that is right at the back of the store. Um, I've been, we've been in the store before, but this time we didn't get to go in. They had a waterfall that comes out of the back of the store down into a big pond and there was giant trout. Does anyone remember what kind of trout they have stacked in that pond? Brook trout. False. That would make sense, but you wouldn't want one of those giant weirdo brook trout to escape that pond into the bat and kill and mess everything up. Uh, do you remember, Caleb? Rainbow trout. That's right. And what were we feeding them? Does anybody remember what we were feeding them? Fish food. Well, it was fish food because the fish were eating it, but it was actually dog food. But we don't have a dog, so you know that smells that way. But yeah, Caleb, you were the fish whisperer. You were just holding it in your fingertips to these giant rainbow trout. They're almost as big as you. 
were coming up and eating them. So something that I always say to people, whether it be a pond like that or a hatchery, you definitely don't want to go someplace like that before you go fishing, because even like a 14 inch wild fish is going to feel like a minnow, or it's going to feel like a tiny little bait fish after you've been seeing these 30 inch giant, fat, broad-shouldered, hook-jawed, red-striped, fast and angry, hungry trout eat your dog food that you're feeding them. But that was a lot of fun. So two of you guys had the Vermont trip. That was a lot of fun. And that was only a few weeks ago. So we definitely still have some things coming in the next weeks and months that we're going to be doing outdoors. But that was definitely a fun trip. It was cool. Being in New England, there's so many parts of New England that we've been to, but there's so many parts of New England that we still have yet to explore. All right. So all of those things happened really over the last kind of month, month and a half. What are some things that you guys are looking forward to doing outdoors in before everything freezes over here in New England? Fishing. <laughs> that's, that's very good. What kind of fishing? What kind of fish do you want to catch? Rainbow trout. Is that because you were just feeding enormous rainbow trout? Y-E-S. Okay. All right. So Caleb wants to fish for trout. How about you, Daniel? Um, so we're going camping in a Acadia National Park later this year. That's right. We have a site booked, so that's going to be really fun. We've never been up there. Well, uh, um, my wife has been up there. Their mom has been up there. But we have not all been up there as a family, so we're excited to do that. And something that they have all over Acadia, which I've been reading a lot about, is they have brook trout. They're not big brook trout. But they're brook trout, and it's the kind of brook trout fishing that we like to do, guys. Hiking or walking deep into the woods in small streams, fishing for hungry, bright-colored brook trout. But one of the cool things about these brook trout, which I we've talked about this before, because some of these fish live um, up here on the north shore of Massachusetts, and some live uh, south of the city, is these are called salter brook trout. Why do you think they might be called salter brook trout? Maybe because they live closer to the ocean than others. That's true. They do live closer to the ocean than others, but they have a certain behavior that some other fish that you might be aware of do. What, what might that be? Uh, they are able to go from saltwater to freshwater. Absolutely. So salter brook trout are really interesting, really cool. Uh, there's a lot of resources online. There's the Sea Run Brook Trout Coalition is a, a, a group that you can check out. But uh, a lot of people think that some of the biggest, gnarliest brook trout that were caught like 200 years ago were actually salter brook trout. They got fat eating ocean run bait and then they came back up to spawn and hang out in ponds and places like Long Island and uh, up here in Massachusetts. So It'd be kind of cool to check out those fish up in Acadia, um, as well as, you know, eating s'mores and doing all the things that we like to do when we go camping. All right, Timothy, what's something that you're looking forward to before everything freezes solid here in New England? It's really fun to go duck hunting. Yes, we are in early goose season right now, and so we're about a month away from duck hunting. Um, so what, what are you excited about for duck hunting? Uh, Dad bought us this duck call. It's it's a six in one duck commander call, and um, our friends who are also big hunters, um, they gave us some camo clothes. That's right. So the the ducks will not see you. So we'll be able to use the boat that Daniel talked about, the camouflage and the call that Timothy mentioned, and hopefully we'll be able to get out and get a lot of birds. So that's something that I took up last year and I really, really enjoyed. 
And I talked about that in the podcast, how I've been able to buy some gear and pick up some decoys and uh, just really dive into doing something at a time of the year when fishing might be hot, but it might slow down. But one of the cool things about duck hunting is that we can get out and get doing it. You guys can be back at school by like 8, 30, 9 o'clock. I can be in the office by 9, 9, 30. And that's one of the benefits of duck hunting and the fact that there's this morning flight as well as homeschooling, which there is no time limits, but you guys usually knock out your work very, very quickly. Okay. So one of the questions that I get from people who email casting across or message me online, something that there's a lot of content online. So people write articles about this and talk about it on other podcasts is how to get kids engaged. So people that listen to the podcast, they might have kids of their own. They might be a grandpa or a grandma and they have kids they might have a neighbor or a friend who's not really into the outdoors. So my question for you guys, now you like video games, you like being on the computer, you like watching movies, you like doing stuff indoors, but you also, what I'm very, very thankful of, this is something that your mom and I prayed for even before you were born, was that you would love being outdoors. And we have been blessed in that you all do. What would you tell a kid who loves being inside like a lot? who loves video games, maybe, who loves uh, being on their computer, being on their phone, what would you tell them to get them to tr- giving, give getting outdoors a chance? Um, I would tell them that if you have a gun or something, you could go outside and shoot some trees, probably even ask your dad to go duck hunting sometime. That's right. Okay. So if you have a gun or a bow and arrow or something like that, then that's a way that you can take that real life version of maybe what they've done online and they can put it into play as long as they're being safe. So for example, you guys have airsoft, you guys have BB guns. Uh, what are the rules? Um, Only shoot it with permission and only shoot it at targets and ask for airsoft rules. And you wear your goggles. That's right. So you guys know the rules. You guys only do it under supervision, but it is a lot more difficult to do in real life than it is to do um, in a computer game. And I think that's also kind of helpful. It also helps with a little bit of responsibility. And again, different people are going to have different rules, different expectations uh, about things like firearms or even toy firearms. But that's why I feel confident of taking you guys duck hunting because I know that you have shown that you're responsible with things like airsoft guns and pellet rifles and times when we've gone um, uh, skeet shooting. All right, uh, Timothy, what about you? What would you tell somebody who likes being outdoors, or excuse me, indoors, why they should go outdoors? Um, it's super fun to play sports like football, baseball, even target shooting. It's super fun. Yep, and so that's kind of another kind of gateway to being outside. I mean, those are things, again, you can watch it inside, you can do it virtually on a video game system, but you can't replicate that experience uh, of doing it outside. I remember when I was a kid, there was fishing and hunting games online. I think we even have some on, on like the iPad and stuff, but they are nothing nothing at all compared to the actual real experience. So it's one of those things where you can tell somebody, kind of like you were saying, if you like it indoors, then try it outdoors. It's going to be a lot better. How about you, Caleb? If somebody only likes being in front of a screen, what would you tell them to get them outside? Go climb a mountain. <laughs> and we have recent experience with climbing a mountain. Uh, when did we do that? Um, last week. And I think this is, so this is actually a great story. We were driving up to the mountains 
we had just some snacks and we had some water bottles and we we were dressed to go hiking but we were just going to walk in the mountains to hang out there's a little pond that we we're going to splash in and we were driving up to the mountains and we kind of rounded a bend and all the mountains popped up in view and every child without exception said i want to climb a mountain today and so my wife and I looked at each other and we said, well, we've got enough water. We've got enough food. We've got the right gear. It's early up in the morning. Let's give it a shot. And so these four kids did an awesome job getting all the way up one of the 4,000 footers in New Hampshire. It was definitely not an easy climb, but uh, Caleb here worked the hardest because as a five, almost six-year-old, he has the smallest legs uh, and he did the entire thing himself. Uh, his three-year-old brother did the majority of it himself, but he did get carried down for a good portion. But climb a mountain. You can, there's no way to replicate that experience indoors. I don't care how much virtual reality, I don't care how much of an active imagination, how large of a screen you have, there's no way that you're going to replicate the experience of being on top of that mountain, 360 degree panoramic views that we had this last week. And those are the kind of things that until someone experiences it, then they're not going to experience it. And I think one of the cool things for you guys is that you're able to tell your friends, your 10-year-old, 8-year-old, 6-year-old friends about your experiences and communicate how cool they are, how much different they are, not bashing video games, not bashing watching TV or things like that, but just really expressing and explaining to them how it's awesome to be out in creation and experience these things in a way that you can't when you're indoors. Okay, so another thing that we really enjoy as a family is looking out for critters and we live in a great place for it we're only about half an hour from the coast we're only about an hour from the mountains and even our backyard is full of critters so speaking of backyard full of critters uh daniel do you have an interesting wildlife encounter you always do so i'm sure that you do tonight for us to share Oh, um, late earlier today, I was outside playing, and a squirrel came up, like, about three, a yard from me, and he had this, like, strip of no hair, and I was like, now I know if it's a squirrel or, like, another squirrel. So now you can identify your squirrel friend, who you are slowly uh, taming. And one of your greatest uh, desires is to have an animal that lives on where? My shoulder. And you call it your? The shoulder pet. That's right. So, like, pirates have parrots live on their shoulders. Daniel just wants anything that lives on his shoulder. So this squirrel is going to be a leading candidate. So that is, I often find Daniel sneaking up on animals. Groundhogs, squirrels, rabbits, birds, you name it. He is all about that. All right, uh, Timothy, how about you? Animal encounters that have the recent that have been profound for you? Um, on Sunday, we were driving home from church and uh, walking across the road, we almost hit it, a porcupine. <laughs> That's right. We've seen lots of dead porcupine, but I think this is the first live porcupine that I've seen. Uh, somebody thought it was a little bear. Um, and we had to correct them that it was not a little bear, but it was pretty stinking big. And, uh, I'm glad that it didn't hit our car cause our front tires are new. So I'm not sure if porcupine quills can puncture tires, but I don't want to find out. We have replaced that front quarter panel of that van because of a different wildlife encounter, um, in the past. So, all right, Caleb, uh, speaking of wildlife encounters, what's something that you've seen recently that's made you happy outdoors from a animal perspective? Pipers. 
pipers. What are what are so what are pipers? Piping plovers. They are an endangered bird. That's right. And where do they lay their eggs? Um, at the beach. That's right. So one of the beaches that we go to a lot, uh, they have lots of piping plovers, and they're pretty fun to watch because they're small and they're cute. And what do they do that makes you happy? Run around fast. They do. They run around fast like you and your brothers. So, yeah, that's definitely one of the things that I would say has been a way to get you guys engaged, even if we're in kind of place in places that aren't as remarkable and scenic, is to be actively engaged in looking for wildlife. And we also have something that is part of homeschool, but we do it we do it for fun. Uh, when we're when we go outdoors, what what do we do when we come home or we bring with us? Uh, we usually do like a nature journal thing. So what are some of the things that you do in the nature journal? We draw animals or cool things we find. And what are some of the things that we have to write in the nature journal after we find something and draw it, Caleb? I, we put, we put these words. I wonder it reminds me of when I noticed. That's right. So everything that you guys draw and write about, you say, I wonder if you ask a question of it, it reminds me of. So something that looking at it, it makes it, it reminds you of elsewhere in nature or somewhere else. And then you notice. So some, a trait or something like that. And so that's been really cool to see that. And not only to see how you guys have your own individual spin on each thing that you see, but also how you have grown, uh, how your artistic talents have grown, how your creativity has grown, uh, how your handwriting has improved. Um, but it's just a cool way to for, for your mom and I and for you guys to see how your engagement with the outdoors has has continued. Well, we have hit that 20 minute mark, which kind of is usually when we start wrapping up things on the Casting Across Flashing podcast. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask probably the most important question that anybody could ask you guys. What is your favorite snack to have in your pocket, in your backpack, in your sling pack when we go hiking, camping, fishing? Um, Dad got for his birthday talkie-flavored sunflower seeds. That's right. Would you say they were more citrusy or more spicy? Citrusy. Yeah, they were good. How about you, bud? Um, I really like Haribo gummy bears. Haribo gummy bears are the best gummy bears. Albanese are okay. But the texture just doesn't do it for me. Haribo, I agree with you, bud. And last but not least. Um, peanut butter crackers. That's right. Peanut butter crackers. The six pack. The uh, crack, plain cracker with the, with the peanut butter in the middle. Not the cheese. Plain crack with the peanut butter in the middle. Well, gentlemen, as always, it is a pleasure. I am looking forward to sharing this with uh, my audience and everybody who listens uh, all across the world to the Casting Cross Live Stream Podcast. Um, you guys are great. You are a lot of fun to bring outside. It's exciting to think about how you are not only learning about creation, but you're learning about how, how to be good stewards of it and how to share it with each other and with your friends. So why don't you say uh, goodbye to everybody listening. Adios. 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 All right. Thank you, gentlemen. So once again, 200 episodes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Times 200 for those who have been with me for a long time, or if you're just tuning in for the first time. Uh, again, I usually don't interview children, but uh, they are an integral part of my time outdoors. 
and I would not change a thing. So I want to bring, make them as much of a part of this as, as I think is appropriate. So I bring them on every once in a while. So let me know what you think about the podcast, Matthew at castingacross.com. Questions, comments, and as I always say, accusations. Those may pop up next week as I talk about emails and direct messages and different sort of contact that I've had with folks over the last few months. This week on castingacross.com, Monday was Labor Day, and so the article was called Officially Labor Day, Unofficially, dot, dot, dot. Um, And it was a very brief article, as I often do on holidays. I don't post a whole lot, but I just posted a few thoughts about how uh, Labor Day, in many ways, is the first tolling bell for the fact that fall is here and winter is coming. Now, in some parts of the country, that doesn't mean a whole lot, but for a place like where I live and different latitudes like it, uh, it's just a somber reminder that uh, you got to get out while the getting's good. Not to say that there's not fun things, there's not fish to be caught, there's not birds to be shot, there's not camping to be had in the middle of winter, but it's different. And so if you enjoy, like I enjoy, uh, this time of year, uh, take advantage of it as much as possible. With all the busyness, carve out time uh, to get outside. And Wednesday's article was called Then Everything Froze. So this is a brief story, a short story, if you will, uh, of an experience that I had about 25 years ago, but I can still remember it like it was yesterday. It is a it is a series of moments, a sequence that is frozen in my mind. And so uh, I can recall it with great clarity, and I recorded it, and I wrote it down, and I have posted it on the internet for anyone who can type in www.castingcross.com to go and read. So then everything froze. Check that one out. Now, this week's recommendation on the podcast might be easily discarded, and the reason for it is that it's a hat, and I know how personal hat choice can be, especially a fishing hat. But I bought a hat kind of on a whim uh, that I saw at uh, Bass Pro Shop that, well, it's because it matches my new hunting waders. But I I bought it uh, to match my hunting waders, but also just to have another camo hat in my arsenal. And I've been wearing it quite a bit because we've had this stretch of rain. It is from uh, Drake Waterfowl, and even if you're not a, a, a duck hunter, that's okay. Bear with me. It is a waterproof hat made out of a breathable uh, uh, material. And if you have ever been fishing in kind of that shoulder season, or even just in a cold summer night, we're getting rained on. A hat, a, a, just a regular ball cap, does a great job of keeping the rain out of your face, but inevitably it will soak through. This hat is awesome because it is waterproof and breathable. It is very lightweight. It is not super high in the crown, but it is structured, so it is going to keep it off of your your forehead and off the top of your head. The underside of the brim is also camouflaged, so it's going to cut down on glare. I don't don't know how many hats just throw whatever hat color they want underneath that bill. Um, I long for the days when every hat was green on the underside because it might not have necessarily coordinated from a color perspective, but at least it cut down on glare and it made it a functional piece of equipment. All that to say, if you're looking for a camouflage cap or you're just looking for a hat to wear uh, on the stream or in the woods, uh, check out the Drake Waterproof Camo Cap. Um, I believe there's two colors it comes in. Um, There's they have five listed, but I think they are out of stock for most of them. 
but one is the uh, mossy oak bottomland, which is like the tree bark, and the other one is the shadow grass habitat, which is the one I have because it matches my waders. It's got reeds and bark and all sorts of good stuff. But again, if you don't care about how you look or you, you really want to blend in, I mean, if really, if people were super concerned about not spooking fish because they think that fish have phenomenal eyesight, then they would be in head-to-toe camouflage and they wouldn't give people that wore that a hard time. But I think people aren't that uh, you know, dogmatic about it. That being said, I have no problem wearing a camouflage hat on the stream as long as I'm not somewhere where I might get shot, in which case I will wear an orange hat, which is what I usually wear because I wear a Chicago Bears hat uh, more often than not. But this hat from Drake Outdoors, uh, Drake Waterfowl, the waterproof camo cap is a great hat. It's comfortable. I enjoy it. Uh, Velcro uh, seal on the back, not my favorite thing, but uh, I'm not going to uh, complain about it too much. But I will put a link to this particular cap on the show notes of this podcast page on castingacross.com so you could check it out. But uh, if you go to Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop or your other outdoor store near you, you might be able to just grab one off the shelf. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and then rate podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.